This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Stories are how we as people communicate. They are instrumental for how we relate to members of family, community, or strangers who we find deep compassion for. Valeria interviews Douglas Wiseman, the author of Life Between Seconds. Douglas Wiseman is a Los Angeles native who has lived in Florence, Rome, Sydney, and San Francisco. He can always be swayed by a good cookie or bad ice cream because even bad ice cream is pretty good. He writes stories of friendship, of finding beauty in the grotesque, of finding magic in the mundane. Stories about building bridges, about burning bridges, about growing trees, about turning trees into bridges, and the ways strangers find common ground. His young adult series and new adult novel were released by Epic Press in fall 2016. His new novel, Life Between Seconds, is out November 15th by History of Press. He is a graduate of the Master of Fine Arts program in creative writing at the University of San Francisco and currently lives in Los Angeles with his gorgeous wife, fun-loving daughter, anxious dog, and indifferent cat. By the time you read this, he will probably have another cat. Meet Douglas at douglaswiseman.com. Here's the interview with Douglas Wiseman. In your own words, who is Douglas Wiseman? That is a great way to start, especially because I feel like I tie so much of myself into my ability to tell stories, which can be both a positive and a negative thing. But I am definitely a storyteller. I am a father. I am a husband. I am a son and a brother. I am a friend. Uh, These are the areas that I tend to spend my most focus, energy, attention to uh, the places that I enjoy focusing on and, and kind of exploring new ideas and experiences in those areas of my life. And I'm a traveler, but I'm a traveler because I like connecting with people and I like learning new stories and sharing new stories. And so all these things wrap up into one giant spider web of intrigue. What it sounds like is that you're open to life to explore more of this, which we call life, really. So that caught my attention, too, besides your sense of humor, which we'll be talking about in a minute. Traveling. What is about traveling that really gets us to go deeper into who we are has been my experience. So is that something that you have experienced, too, the inner exploration by being out there in the world? Absolutely. A hundred percent. I think based on my experience, I've, I've been to 48 countries. My goal is to get to 50 countries by the time I'm 40. So I still have a few years. But 
one of the things that I noticed and for my first experience traveling outside of the United States was that I became more open to experiences. I became more susceptible to the idea of what I didn't know and wanting to know more. And I feel like that is what travel gives people instead of feeling like we have set up our own routine and our own structure within the space that we call home. And therefore anything that, that knocks at that door becomes scary. If it's not already integrated into our system, we take ourselves out of that space. And just by doing that one little act, it opens us up to the the possibilities and the probabilities and the fact that we realize, we remember that we don't know everything. We remember that in other parts of the world, people live differently. And now we're experiencing life through their eyes or through their experiences. And in that, it makes us more in tune with connecting and connection and wanting that and craving it in a way like who hasn't been to a place and thought I want to live here I want to live in this space I want to live in this way as opposed to the way that I live back home it has been my experience too yeah for sure I love this idea that we can be comfortable with the uncomfortable and lean more towards the unknown but it, it is scary for most of us and I wonder why a lot of times because essentially I do a lot of spiritual studies. I have been into spirituality for so long now. And I see that that is, um, if nothing else, that's our essence. It's actually the unknown or this, the soul, the spirit, that it's just there open to anything that could happen. It's not afraid. It's just open and ready for any possibility. So when it comes to that, the question for you is, do you have any spiritual belief systems or practices, ideas of yourself or in life? Yeah, well, yeah, I do actually. And, and it's a combination of things, but I'm heavily influenced by my, my Jewish faith. I was raised Jewish and I still practice whether I'm consistently practicing or (laughs) religious is a different story, but I am still spiritual. And part of that also comes from this idea of traveling and that connection and the bridges. But one of the things that has always connected me to Judaism are the stories always from when I was young. It's the stories, not just in the old Testament, but the stories of my family, the stories of understanding that because we were Jewish, we were oppressed in ways we were kicked out of Russia, uh, family and friend connections during the Holocaust. I mean, these these instances are prevalent. The, the story of Jewish enslavement by the Romans, the Babylonians, the Greeks, uh, the Persians. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But it also has informed in, in my own storytelling that need for connection because there was always an underlying theme of coming together as a community or or someone from outside the community coming to help or so so there was always this understanding that there are bridges there, whether it's between each other within the community or bridges outside of the community. It's not all us against them. It's not all oppression. There is there is hope and there is light and there is uh, th- this endless connection that we have to search out and explore more of. And I think that's also then relates to why I travel, like it informs that entire experience. 
Yes, it makes a lot of sense to me. It resonates true. Seeking this knowledge of our origins and how the history, actually, history is such an interesting teacher in a way, good and bad. So (laughs) speaking of that, good and bad, when it comes to stories, can you elaborate a bit more about the good side, which you already have been saying, connection, but what is the, the dangerous side of storytelling? Well, we can see that presently. Uh, I wrote something recently that basically says that hatred doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's not something where it's good versus evil. And you, you can see the, you can see the villain twirling their mustache in the corner of the room. Stories have the power to enlighten us and to teach us, especially when we're looking at history. History is the ultimate teacher, but we also can ignore that history. And when history gets too far away, we tend to rationalize and we tend to make it easier so we can understand it better, right? So when I mentioned the Holocaust earlier, we've lost so much of that generation now who are in their 90s or or already gone. and because we have lost them and we've lost their stories, we lose that connection between understanding the nuances that using Germany as a specific example, you know, people there aren't all bad, weren't all bad. And yet they, they believed the stories they were being told and then eventually allowed these things to take place because of, of those stories. And so when you say negative things and you put people down, you put others down, even in small ways, but then it incrementally, it rises and rises and rises like the, like the frog in the pot, right? It starts out on a simmer, but then it slowly boils, but they'll stay inside because they don't realize the temperature is changing until they boil. And that's what a story can do in a negative way. So like everything in life in a way, right, Douglas, we can use anything for good and bad. What I rely on is the conscious awareness that we are all essentially connected and we are all here to learn this powerful message of how to love, how to really connect from a, a place of unconditional love, really. No, but I completely agree with you. I mean, it's, it's, I, on some mornings, I am sitting there trying to get work done before I have to take my daughter to school. And then I'm rushing to get her in the car and then rushing to get to school and then rushing home. But on the days where I'm not doing that, I realize how beautiful the day is, how beautiful the sky is, how beautiful the sunrise is. I I can see the sunrise from my office. And so on those times that I, I wake up early always, but on those times when I take a breath and I remember to look out my window and watch the sunrise. Those are the days that I feel most present, the days that I recognize that connection that I want. I recognize playing with my daughter. I recognize having the conversation with my wife. I recognize the joy that I get in my in, in my writing, which a lot of people don't have joy in writing. They have joy in having written, right, the past tense. But I enjoy the process. I enjoy the creativity of it. And so these are things that when I slowed down, and I, I remind myself to slow down. Yeah. I take joy in the day as opposed to thinking, where did the week go? How did you become a writer, Douglas? <laughs> I, I, no, it's, it's a good question. It's just that I resisted becoming a writer for so long because I just felt like it was it had no future. 
and that I had to follow the money and follow the career path, do something responsible, quote unquote. But I, I just couldn't escape it. Every time I turned back to what I really enjoyed doing, what I could see myself doing, what I, what I wanted to do was just tell stories, was just write. And I kept taking classes about on, on writing and I, and I kept traveling and just writing things down to the point that I just thought, why, why run from it? Like just, just lean into it and I will figure out how to make a career out of it. And, and I did, I mean, I, I fell into travel writing, which of course I love travel writing. I love writing novels, but most people don't fall into something as awesome as travel writing. They, you know, they, they search it out. And I was just kind of like, well, I traveled and now someone's asking for some writing materials and I have things based on what I was there. So I'll send it in and, and let's see what happens. That's so beautiful when we just follow this natural desire that's in our hearts. It's really beautiful to hear that. With that in mind, do you feel like you have found your purpose in life? Or this is just one of the gifts that you have? I think that I have found a purpose among many purposes. I mean, this I would say that this is my my biggest career aspiration to compile, to write, to share stories, to travel and connect with people. But then among that, I constantly talk on I've said connection probably 500 times in the short time that we've been talking, but I bring that into my personal life as well, connecting with those in my life. And so I think that that's where I focus. And that's what brings me the most joy is finding connection in little and big ways throughout my day, throughout my life. And whether that's with writing or whether it's talking with interviews, asking people questions or connecting with my family, connecting with my friends. So that's why I say part of as opposed to the only thing, only because it's separate from professional aspirations versus personal aspirations, but still bridged by that idea. When I think about connection, I think about connecting to myself first, because Mm -hmm. I can't really connect with anyone in the way that I want to, or in, in a healthy way per se, if I'm not connected to myself. But how does it feel for you to be connected to yourself? And how do you expand that to others? Is that always the same kind of connection that you um, essentially feel with others or you make different kinds of connections with everyone you meet in your family? That's a great question. There, there are definitely different connections that I make and it really depends on where we are at the time and, and who it's with. I mean, I can't really connect in the same way with a three-year-old who is my daughter. She's three uh, that I can with my wife. And part of that comes from, you know, my three-year-old wants to run around and so I'm going to run around with her and it's great. I love running around, so it's fine. But my wife doesn't want to run around. We want to hang down and watch TV together and connect through watching the same thing and sharing in the excitement or horror or uh, thrill of whatever we're, we're watching or going on a walk together. And so it's, it's, but connecting with myself is always having to remind myself that I need to, the term that I constantly hear is, is fill my well before others can drink. Right. And so that's where I have to remind, like, what do I love doing? What am I going to make time for myself to do? I love writing. I love reading. I love, 
a quiet space. I love visiting bookstores. One of my favorite things is just roam a bookstore, look at all the books, sit down with a cup of tea and a pastry and just kind of be in that space. So am I taking the time to do that? Am I taking the time to take my walks and my hikes, which are ways that I connect with myself? And if I'm not doing at least one of these things, I'm not at my best. And therefore, I'm not giving my family my best or my friends my best because I'm showing up already in a space that is less invigorated and less and less happy, to be honest. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. It's funny when you talk about the connections between your daughter and your wife, of course, they're different. I'm thinking to myself, ah, I'm just listening to you and and thinking about connection. I don't know why, but I connect with everyone almost in the same way. It's kind of funny um, even to talk about this, but every time I look at another human being or an animal, anything, there's compassion in it, almost a sense of empathy. No, I love that. I mean, the, the empathy is, is huge. And I think that that is, as a writer, that is the most important thing. Because I am, I have to understand how to step into the heads of characters in my fiction. In travel writing, I do something similar where my, I have to be empathetic to the people that I interview or talk to so I can understand the perspective that they're coming from. Because they're not coming from a space of traveling to this place. They're coming from a space of living in that place. And so I have to look at things from, are they seeing it as majestically as I am? Or are they seeing the graffiti on the wall that is very different than looking at the, I don't know, the birth of Venus in the museum. So it's, but empathy is, is just paramount. I, I think without empathy, you can't connect. Mm, yes. I love that. Ah, that's a beautiful phrase, uh, insight. Without empathy, we can't connect. Beautifully said, Douglas. That's wisdom speaking to me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, the voice of wisdom. I know you're very wise in many ways, but also <laughs> <laughs> you're funny. Red, I said that off record, but what's in your bio? Yeah, in your bio, you're right. I even have the section here. You're right. I live with my wife and our gigantic dog who demands attention from strangers. <laughs> our quiet cat who might be plotting my demise. And our daughter who is plotting to corner the cat. <laughs> I just, yeah, I was laughing then and I'm laughing now. It's just, um, it opens the heart when you read something like this. It's very simple. You just, you actually kind of being very truthful. I mean, so simple, but true, that is, ah, it opens the heart and it's funny, brings a smile to our face. It's just beautiful. That caught my attention immediately. That's actually one of the things that I've noticed most about my writing is generally it's, it's not humorous. Uh, it's, yeah. it's really, <laughs> it, it's like my you know, talking to you, uh, I hope that people can sense kind of my joviality and yeah. my humor. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah, <laughs> okay. um, and then with my bio, absolutely. But then <laughs> I get into my writing and I kind of take it to this space where it's an exploration and an expression of kind of the pain and trauma that I don't necessarily uh, emote in, you know, my everyday life. So it's like, that's where I'm putting all of that. And, and yet, it also depends on the story because um, I'm also very tongue in cheek. So I've written some short stories where I think they're hilarious, but other people are kind of like, well, it's a bit dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because, for instance, perfect example. I wrote a short story that is um, about death as in, um, you know, uh, the, the pronoun. So like scythe and 
cape death and he goes to school for a parent teacher conference because his child got in trouble at school and so i just think that premise is hysterical right like the idea of of death having to do something as mundane as going to a parent teacher conference so it's it's like this balance but then i'll have stories like life between seconds which is really an exploration of of trauma and of loss but at the same time there are these bits of humor that usually come through in the dialogue when characters are talking and you can see like yes of course they're people and people say funny things or react humorously and so they're supposed to be real and therefore it comes through but as a whole it's not it's not going to be a funny story. Actually, you're imitating life. That's what life really is. Pain and joy, right? Pain and pleasure, happiness, sadness. Some people have said they found that place of peace and joy and constant, let's say, wonderment. But I don't know. I have not met too many people. I actually know one who lives only within those spaces. They are always kind of dancing between duality, going happy, unhappiness, perhaps with longer gaps for some of mm. us. But I think that's what life's all about, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's the experiences, really, and, and some of them, but it's also the lens that we put on those experiences, yeah, right. I think, right? Because some things can be, like, someone's going to come and say, well, I have good news and bad news. It's like, no, yeah. you, you have news, <laughs> and then I'm going to see whether it's, <laughs> and how I portray it. But it's, it reminds me, there was this book by Daryl Horn that I loved, where it was at the very end of the novel, there are just a few pages about kind of a baby before they're born and they're sitting in so like the soul is sitting in this pool of comfort and they're just really enjoying it like this sauna and then an angel comes and takes the baby the soul and puts it in a pool of nervousness and then a pool of trauma and then a pool of of uh hate and then brings them back to the pool of comfort and then so that feeling is all of a sudden they're like oh now it's actually more soothing to me and I understand why this is necessary as opposed to only understanding that one feeling and it's not that it's not that you shouldn't or couldn't look at things only in a good lens but or in a happy lens but just that kind of that idea of you understand joy because of grief or you understand uh you understand love because of hate that that duality can inform each other because that is life like you can't it's not that you can't have one without the other, but it's just that you don't necessarily need them in the same in equal degree. But it's just understanding kind of the the depth and richness of love or of comfort or of soothing after having felt the opposite. Yes, so true, Douglas, being open to it all, right? What do you feel or think is the purpose of the human experience? Well, I think it is the experience. I mean, what what is what is the purpose if not to go out and have the experience to to sit there every day in a cubicle and stare at a screen? I mean, I say that a bit tongue in cheek because every day I'm sitting in my office and I'm staring at my computer screen. But at the same time, I'm out there in the world. I'm paying attention to the experiences I want going to the park with my daughter. It's a little thing, but it matters a lot because I'm watching her grow and develop cooking with my wife because I love cooking and there are flavors that we both enjoy and flavors that we're still discovering. We were in Egypt in September and we found a couple of 
new dishes that we're like, oh, we need to we need to eat this at home. This is amazing. But just that idea where where you try something new or you try the thing you've always wanted to try or you step out of your comfort zone in whatever way that is to embrace just something a little different. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be quitting your job and moving to Argentina. It could just be going to that Argentinian restaurant around the corner that you've never been to. That's a, a very profound answer to a simple question, which is not that simple. But well, yeah, I wouldn't uh, say that's a simple question at all. <laughs> yeah, right. But the way you responded to that, the experience, right, and finding ways to respond to each experience differently than we uh, we have been doing. So going back to your most recent novel, Life Between Seconds. Like I said to you before, it sounds spiritual to me. For some reason, that's what it came, the feeling, the vibe. It's spiritual. But you explore the themes of loss, regret, guilt, family, friendship. Uh, two words or um, ideas, your concepts caught my attention. Regret, friendship. From your experience, what is the best way to live this life, I think you have been talking about that already, but I, I would like to ask you the question. What is the best way to live a life without regrets? That is such a hard question. Uh, and it can be informed in so many ways because there are those ideas of, oh, don't regret anything because it's the learned experience, right? Or there's the ideas of, oh, look back and you know, regret what you haven't done. Or, and yeah. so there's, <laughs> yeah. there are so many kind of... I only say cliches in the term of known phrases, but not in terms of negative, negative phrases. But there are so many different ways that people have spoken about regret that it's difficult. Uh, in my personal opinion, uh, I definitely have things that I've done that I regret. And I regret them for different reasons because of how I look back and, and how I felt, oh, if only I had known this then. And it's not necessarily missed opportunities, but it could have been actions I took or didn't take or when I had the opportunity to rise to the occasion and I didn't. And I've still ended up in, in a wonderful place in my life. But those I look back and those are the moments when I think, when, when I feel a bit shameful. And so, but it gives me the opportunity to make sure that I don't relive those experiences. And so that's how I feel regret can be a learning experience where it's not so much about not having them, but it's learning from them in order to grow. Yes. Um, a trillion times to that, that yeah. being open to learning, right? To learn and to evolve. And to me has been in the sense of suffering less, mm -hmm. being open to pain, but not allowing pain to become suffering. Oh, I love that. That is, that is so profound. It really sounds like, but then I always ask the question, is there a difference really between pain and suffering? Do you see a difference, Douglas? I, well, now that you say it, I absolutely do. Um, and, and it does come back to just my novel Life Between Seconds as a great example of that, because the way that the characters have grown, it shows suffering when when pain comes and pain goes, but suffering is the pain that sticks with you. Beautifully said. Yes, that's my understanding too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. Pain is inevitable. I think we all will go to, through some form of pain. 
Um, physical pain is the most basic kind, but uh, emotional, mental. So, mm -hmm. so true. I love the way you said that, right? Um, suffering is that pain that doesn't stay with us, doesn't stick. So true. What is one message you wish everyone to take from your new novel, Life Between Seconds? Do you have like a message that you want them to, if possible, to take with them for life? Absolutely. It, it, it's the idea that relationships can help heal. And that and that really is what the story is about. It, it, it comes through in a lot of a lot of suffering with the characters and demonstrating why, where their path started and where they led. But the fact that they eventually came together and found comfort in their friendship and and strengthened their friendship after that fear of losing it, right? It, it's always that fear can either make you run away or make you confront it so you can grow stronger. And, and that is what the novel is about is kind of how the friendship really empowers them to finally release their suffering. That is a, a message that we all need to hear a lot more. I value profoundly friendships, relationships in general, actually. Right. Let me ask you an open question because that caught my attention immediately, those words. Uh, so as I said before, regret and friendship. What is to be a good friend? Ooh, that one I feel is, <laughs> I feel like that's the hardest question that I've been asked so far. Just <laughs> um, And it, I, I think it comes down to the, the difficulty in how friendship is so individualistic, right? Because I am so, I'm not saying that I'm ever different. I'm always myself, but I'm also aware of how I interact with different friends. And some friends, I interact one way or one part of my personality and another way with another part of my personality. But I feel like the, but I feel like the common thread is presence, Right? I'm always I'm demonstrating that I'm present. I'm here. We're here for shared experiences. We're here to let you know that, oh, your grandmother died. I am here for support. Oh, it's your birthday. I am here for support. Right. There's always that supportive nature um, to both celebrate in the good times and help grieve in the bad times or help heal in the bad times. And and that is and it, and, it, and it took on a completely different connotation during COVID when you couldn't actually see people and, and I was severely isolated because I don't generally like phone calls. And I, when I'm on video calls, I generally try to turn my screen off so I can eat or browse, browse my email or whatever. So it was a very different experience, but it's still you know, just these little ways in which I try to tell my friends I'm here don't don't think I'm gone, even if we haven't spoken for a little while. I'm still here. Mm. I'm still present in your life, and I still care about you. Mm. Oh, I love that. Um, it almost sounds like a mantra, if we can <laughs> write that down and say it to people around us often. That's beautiful, Douglas. Another question that comes to me is, do you, is that possible to have the same kind of connection with ourselves, being our own best friend? in a way, being present yeah. to our own selves? Absolutely. It's possible. And I think it's necessary. Am I going to say that I am an expert at it? Absolutely not. But, but I do, I do feel it is necessary in, in the same way that I said earlier about 
refilling your well so others can drink. It's refilling your well is all about being present for yourself. And uh, I remember I, I was in I was in high school and I heard a speech. I was in a youth group. I was very active in this youth group. And I heard a speech from someone and they used this phrase in Hebrew called Hineni. And it basically means I'm still here. And it was about how the, the guy's father was sick. And every morning he woke up and he said to his son, I'm still here. And uh, I took that idea later on and kind of used it uh, in, an, in a speech that I gave uh, when talking about my mother who had cancer and she was great, came out of it fine, but in a similar story where it was like, I'm still here, I'm still here. And I feel like that translates into our own lives, just like I say it with my friends to remind them, I have to say it to myself. I am still here, whether it's, I'm still here, appreciate the sunrise. I'm still here, take a moment for myself. I am still here. Mm. Like it, it can be translated to so many reasons in so many ways, but just the reminder, it's like, I'm here. What am I going to do with that? Right. Uh, yes. Um, wow. <laughs> I love it all. <laughs> yeah. Being here. I love that. I never heard it that way, Douglas. That's very refreshing. I'm still here. I'm here for myself, present and for others. I have heard so many times, as you said before, too, about the well, you can't really give if you don't have Right. So it's all about giving to ourselves in order to expand that to others. So that goes back to that fundamental message of self-love that some people don't like it that much because they think about selfishness when they think about self-love. To me, it's a completely different feel. Those two ideas, I mean, they are not even connected, now self-love and selfishness. I completely agree with you. I mean, I think in terms of just... It's people seem to forget, and, and by people I completely include myself, this idea that mental energy, right? We think in terms of time, we think in terms of physical energy, but we constantly forget about mental energy. And so when we equate something to the idea of like, think about running an ultra marathon, which is like two marathons put back to back in the hills or these ridiculous places that are incredibly difficult, doing that. And then having somebody say, hey, help me move my refrigerator, right? And it's, and it's like, so the men, you can understand the, men, the, the actual energy you exert and be like, I don't have any energy to help you move your refrigerator. But we don't think, we don't translate that to our mental energy. We don't translate that to thinking, well, I am working 40 hours a week. I'm spending time with my child. I'm making time for, to, to still be present for my wife. I'm still trying to reach out to friends. I'm still doing this, doing that. Uh, no, I don't have the mental energy to then, uh, you know, read your essay and give you pointers on how to get into college. Like, I just don't have the mental space for this. I'm not being selfish. I just can't, I can't do it. <laughs> right. And so it's, if we if we yeah. understand how to be kinder to ourselves, mm. then we can give ourselves the space that we require to be our best. I don't know. I always go back to the empathy and I have that for myself in the moment and for the other person. And then somehow the body kind of fills that space, that gap <laughs> and kind of talks for me because if I am in person, it's easy to see that I'm just... Um, I can't do it <laughs> with somebody. If they ask me something, I can't do it. It's just the body will usually, it's almost like being humble, but in a physical way. It's kind of hard to explain because it can't be really translated into words. 
But there is a way of doing that, using the body. That's uh, what I've witnessed within myself. But it's still a, a challenge for sure. Oh, that's beautiful. I I need to practice that. I need to practice. I think part of that for me is I need to practice tapping into the empathy rather than of myself and the other person rather than just agreeing because I want to be nice or flat out saying no because I don't like helping people move. <laughs> You're funny with that. <laughs> no refrigerators for you. No, no, no moving them. <laughs> that is funny, Douglas. <laughs> So I have some ending questions for you. But before that, would you like to add anything that you left unsaid or read a passage in your book? Actually, I would love to read a passage of my book, if I may. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. So I'll just read from the, the first page. And I think that even just reading this first passage, it kind of exemplifies everything that I was saying about storytelling and communication and... Uh, and connection. So, so this is just a, a passage from page one of Life Between Seconds. Peter loved to hear the story of how his father tried to steal the sun. It's the reason the poppies exist, his mother said. Your dad had climbed into the sky and touched the light, actually had his hands gripped around the sun. What did it feel like, Peter asked. Have you ever touched a really hot light bulb, his mom said. But the sun burned his hands. He pulled away and scattered sunlight over the field, causing all these bright poppies to grow. The sun, angry for having been caught, fell that night. It falls every night. But that was the first time. It fell and sulked and didn't come back. Your dad gave us these beautiful fields of flowers, but he also brought the darkness. Thank you so much, Douglas, for expressing your gift into this world, just giving what you have to give in, a, in such a beautiful way. Thank you. No, it's my pleasure. It really means a lot to me that, that you have me on the show. It means a lot to me that I'm able to give people my stories and to share other people's stories. It is a passion and a and really, I, I will say that it's a calling because it's something that I can't escape from, nor do I want to. Please don't. <laughs> so my ending questions, I'll ask this one. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? Ooh, that is a great one. Uh, and I feel like it changes daily, but the consistent elements are always the same. Uh, giving myself time to exercise, write, read, learn, and spend time with my daughter, my wife, and myself. So as long as those elements are all in the day, I feel like the day has been successful <laughs> and I have been successful. Yeah, it goes back to experiences, yeah, as you said before, about life. Right. At this time, what do you feel is the world's greatest need? Compassion. I feel like yeah. it just uh, has been lost at every level. Uh, the way that we kind of feel disconnected from our neighbors, the way that we feel disconnected from our own, from our political system, from countries so far away. And a lot of this has to do with just the current temperament of things. It has to do with, I've done a lot of reading on, on the way that society as a whole has actually lost our ability to focus. Uh, and, and, and it and creates more uh, disconnect in terms of how we reach out to headlines and eternal scrolling and uh, all these things that social media feeds into and by having more compassion and I will say in that way connection right back to connection I feel like it gets us back to the space that 
we should be in a, a better a better place to understand and appreciate each other. Mm. Yes, a trillion times to that truth. Thank you so much for sharing not just your gift, but your wisdom, your timeless wisdom here today. And I love your presence. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's open. It's truly beautiful. Thank you so much, Douglas, for being you. Oh, it was my pleasure. You you have been a delight, and I hope I have been a, even just a fourth of as delightful as you are. Oh, my God. You, you're wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So before we say goodbye, that's the technical question. Where can we find more information about you, your books, your work, services, and future projects? Yeah. So you can find me at douglasweisman.com. That's my personal website. I'm also very active on LinkedIn at Douglas Weisman. Uh, I'm active on Instagram where I am reading every page of my book. So every day I post another page or at least every day during the week, I post myself reading another page of the book. You can start from page one if you'd like. I am also present on Facebook at Douglas Weissman. So LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and my website, all Douglas Weissman. Wonderful. I'll have the link of your website on your podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, Douglas. And we'll talk right. soon. Wonderful. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Douglas Wiseman and his work, please visit douglaswiseman.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>